Business Net Explorer, product news podcast channel. This is BNE Product News, supporting specifiers and buyers. This podcast is sponsored by the BNE Product News Podcast Library. Hi, this is Mick DeLayburn for Business Net Explorer, and welcome to a special edition of our Brand Leader interview series. Well, due to the COVID pandemic, management of indoor air quality has never been a hotter topic. And there has been much talk about the need for increased ventilation in buildings to help combat the spread of viruses. With me today is Dave Marshall-George, UK Sales Director at Condair, who's here to discuss another important but less understood aspect of air quality management, that of low indoor humidity. Well, Dave joins us on the phone. Hi, Dave. Hi, Meg. How are you doing? Good, thank you. So, Dave, what impact does low humidity have with regards to maintaining a safe indoor environment? Well, thanks, Mick. Uh, Thanks, firstly, for inviting me to discuss this today. Absolute pleasure. Well, the humidity level of the air inside our buildings has a great deal of influence over how airborne viruses behave and how our bodies deal with them. I think most of us are now familiar with the fact that people release viruses in droplets when we talk, breathe or cough. And also the fact that the smaller these droplets are, the longer they float in the air and the further they can travel. How does the indoor humidity level affect the droplets? Well, if a room has a low air humidity below 40% RH, these floating droplets will shrink through increased evaporation. So low indoor humidity results in more droplets small enough to float around in the air, which subsequently increases the risk of infection to anyone in the room. The second effect humidity has on airborne viruses is connected to their survival time. Airborne viruses such as the flu have a limited duration when they remain infectious. And many studies have shown that humidity is a major factor in this survival time. And that when the humidity is lower than 40% RH, this infectious lifetime is much longer than when humidity is above 40%. And lastly, And I think most importantly, is the effect dry air has on us and our bodies. Our first line of defence against airborne pollutants is a process called mucosillary clearance. Mucus in the nose and the throat capture airborne pollutants as we inhale them. Then it transports them to our digestive system where they're destroyed. In low humidity environments, this natural defence mechanism is impaired as our mucous membranes dry. This leaves us much more susceptible to airborne infections. So how would you summarise the effect that low humidity in a room has to health? So in summary, dry air below 40% RH allows more viruses to float around in a room. It allows the airborne virus to survive for longer while floating and low humidity reduces our body's natural ability to fight off respiratory infections. So low humidity is a triple threat to health. Wow, it certainly seems like humidity is important, but if it has such a dramatic impact on our health, why don't we know about it already? Mick, I think that's a great question, and you're right. Even though the effects of low humidity have been well researched, it's not common knowledge. And I think this is due to humidity's imperceptibility. We cannot see it, we cannot feel it. We can walk into a room and immediately know if the air is hot or cold, but with humidity, We have no sensory organ that tells us if the air around us is too dry. 
And due to this invisible nature, society is simply not well informed about the negative effects of low humidity. But as a society, we suffer the consequences of low indoor humidity every winter. So what happens because of low humidity in the winter? It's widely accepted by the scientific community that low indoor humidity is a significant contributing factor to the seasonality of respiratory infections such as flu. And the onset of the flu season in the winter closely corresponds to when our indoor humidity is dropping below 40% RH. Cold winter air contains very little moisture, so when it's heated in our buildings, its relative humidity falls. In a building heated to 21 degrees C, the indoor humidity can drop into the unhealthy range below 40% RH when it's around 10 degrees C or less outside. And this is the case for much of our winter. So what can we do about it? Humidification. Using humidifiers to add moisture to the indoor air and manage humidity within the healthy range of 40 to 60% RH. And just as we use heating and cooling systems to manage our temperature, humidifiers are used to proactively control a building's humidity level. Humidity control in the winter is a natural, effective and non-pharmaceutical method of mitigating the spread of respiratory infections such as the flu and COVID. How practical is humidification of buildings as a solution on a nationwide scale? Very practical. Now, as a company, Condé does this already in thousands of buildings around the world. But it tends to be for manufacturing processes that need a certain level of humidity. Sectors such as printing, pharmaceuticals, textiles, wood, or anywhere that deals with materials that are affected by low humidity. When a manufacturer is losing money because their product is drying out, there's a clear benefit in buying a humidifier and maintaining optimal indoor humidity when they do it. Okay, is it only the manufacturing sector where you're doing this already? We also humidify many public buildings for the health of occupants, but it tends to be where employers are very focused on reducing absenteeism. High-end offices accommodating high-earning employees present a clear return on investment in maintaining optimum air quality to minimise staff sickness. But we really should be humidifying places like hospital wards and waiting rooms, GP surgeries and schools. These areas are the front line in the fight against seasonal illness. Maintaining 40-60% to 60% RH in these environments should have been legislated years ago. But it takes investments, and the focus is typically on keeping costs connected to these buildings to an absolute minimum. However, considering the gigantic cost of the pandemic on society, both at a human level and a financial one, we must invest now to improve the safety of our buildings and limit the threat of future pandemics. What is the current guidance regarding humidity levels for public buildings? Organisations such as the Chartered Institute of Building Services Engineers have been recommending 40-60% to 60 RH as the optimum indoor humidity for human health for years. But we need these advisory recommendations to become legislative building codes before we'll see large-scale humidification of public buildings to reduce seasonal illness and protect occupants' health. I see. I suppose that would be similar to how ventilation of buildings is now being promoted by politicians and bodies like the World Health Organisation. So how does humidity control fit alongside increased building ventilation, Dave? Good question. I think it's great news that healthier levels of ventilation for buildings are now being set by politicians and the people managing our buildings. 
Ventilation physically removes pollutants such as COVID from the indoor environment, but it's not the only strategy we should be employing to maintain a safe indoor atmosphere. Ventilation during the winter can in fact dry an indoor atmosphere even more. More heat being applied to dry winter air means even lower indoor humidity. So increased ventilation alone might be removing viruses from the air, but it will also be drying our nose and throat even more, making us physically more susceptible to infection. So how does humidity control fit alongside ventilation? Well, in buildings with centrally managed air conditioning systems, a humidifier can be installed in the air handling unit without issue. This ensures that the building's humidity is kept at an optimum level, along with the levels of ventilation. And we do this all the time and it's standard practice. But it does obviously need more investment. And how about buildings where there is no centrally managed air conditioning system? For buildings without central air handling units and ducting, humidifiers can be installed that introduce moisture directly to the rooms. These could be mobile units, wall-mounted steam humidifiers, or systems that spray purified water from nozzles. The type of humidifier really depends on the layout of the building. Again, it does need investment, but that's the same as any aspect of indoor air quality management, whether it's heating, cooling, ventilation, or humidity control. There is a cost associated, but if the cost means safer buildings, reduced infection rates, less burden on our health services, fewer unnecessary deaths and potentially avoiding lockdowns, then there certainly is an excellent return on that investment. Well, thanks, Dave. If there's one message you wanted to leave our listeners with, particularly those working in the types of buildings you mentioned, like hospitals and schools, what would it be? It would be to get to know your indoor humidity. Buy a cheap hygrometer just for a few pounds. This is something that measures and shows you what your indoor humidity is, just like a thermometer shows temperature. If it's consistently below 40% RH, ask your line manager or building manager what the options are for managing your indoor humidity better. If they need more information on why or how to do this, there's plenty of information on our website at condare.co.uk. Well, Dave, thank you for joining us today on this special edition B&E Product News Brand Leader interview podcast to discuss why understanding the relationship between health and humidity is key to optimising indoor air quality. Thanks very much, Mick. I really enjoyed it. That's a pleasure. Cheers. For more information about Condare, please go to www.condare.co.uk. Well, thank you for joining us for this latest edition of the BNE Product News Podcast. And please stay safe. Follow us on Twitter at BNE Product News to keep updated on our latest product news podcast releases and visit us at businessnetexplorer.com to find more product news and information for specifiers and buyers in the construction and building services and associated manufacturing and energy sectors. Business Net Explorer podcasts are now available via the Apple Podcasts app, iTunes and on Spotify. You can subscribe to access our existing content and, of course, to receive every new podcast that we publish in audio format.